Hello and welcome to the NZ Ahead podcast. I'm Liz and today I've got a really special guest with me. If you've been listening to this show for a while over on It's a Drama, you will recognise Ryan. Ryan is a, a long-time guest of ours. He is part of our private membership and we consider him a very close friend. He's just a lovely guy. Ryan moved from the US with his wife and family and he's living just outside Auckland on the Fongaploa Peninsula. He's been here for five years and he's is such a lovely guy. We were in the community the other day chatting and he just, someone asked a question about buying a house and he said, I'm just about to buy my second house. So he's got all this information about buying houses in New Zealand, you know, all the terminology, how to get a mortgage, auctions, all the good stuff Ryan knows about. Now, originally this podcast was recorded just as our private community members podcast. Let me explain that a little bit further. The NZ Ahead members that you become a member of includes videos and podcasts, a private community group that's hosted over on Slack. You might have heard us talk about it. Every month, what we do is we interview a, I shouldn't say interview, that sounds really formal. We chat with one of the members and we catch up with them where they are in their journey about moving to New Zealand. They might have just moved here. They might be nearly ready to move. They might be quite a way off moving. And they just give you the down to earth, real nitty gritty of what it is they're going going through right now, moving to New Zealand. To be honest, these podcasts that we do every month, they're absolutely brilliant. They're just so valuable. And every time I make one, I think, oh, I should share this really with the public. And I have to remember, no, this is a perk that you get from being a member of this community. But in saying that, because I'm a big softie, I couldn't keep this to our private membership. Oh, I know what it's like when you're trying to buy a house in New Zealand or you're worrying about buying a house in New Zealand. I know he wouldn't want me to not share it with you. So what you're hearing now is it's, it's a bit rough because that's how we do it. It's very real and nothing fancy. It's just Ryan talking for an hour and a half to his private community members about buying a house in New Zealand. And I'm sharing it on NZ Ahead because I want you to get value from it. It. Lots of people email me and say, can you give us more details about how to become a member? Because we don't really make it quite clear, maybe. You become a member of this community by going through the free five-day video guide. You can't just become a member just there and then, not at the moment anyway. You have to go through that free five-day video guide. The reason we did that is because we want people in our membership who are dedicated to move into New Zealand. That's their sole purpose. They're really serious about this. It's not just a whim. They're really, really set on moving to New Zealand and they want to help other people. They want to be around people who can help them. And that's why we say go through that free five-day guide because if you're going to get that free five-day guide, you're really committed to moving to New Zealand. So if you want to become part of our community and sit alongside Ryan and myself and all the other wonderful people that are are in that group and get hours and hours of video podcasts from me and Brian, me and Brian just there on the chats, then sign up for the free five-day video guide. And at the end of that guide on the fifth day, you will be given a link to go and see if you would like to become a member. To go to the free video guide, you go to nzahead.com slash free. So www.nzahead.com slash free go through the five days, get to the fifth day and then become a member and come and join us. Like I said, if you're dedicated, you really want to make New Zealand happen for you, this is the place for you. So let's jump on in now and meet Ryan and find out all there is to know about buying a house in New Zealand. Got it, got it, got it. 
the NZ Ahead podcast. Everything you need to know about moving to and living in New Zealand. There's a whole world here. So nice to be with you again. We call Aotearoa on here, bro. We are your hosts, Liz and Brian. Amazing New Zealand in the Southern Seas. See, that's where I belong. That's home. Actually, before we start, I am assuming that everyone knows who you are and your background, but can you just give us a quick background of of who you are and how you came to New Zealand and how long you've lived here and things? All right. Sorry, Uh, darling. (laughs) No, no, it's okay. I have to, I have to think, what's my story? Um, You know, uh, let's see, born in the US, spent my first 40-ish years there. A um, couple different places, lived in the Baltimore area, Maryland, um, Nashville, Tennessee. My wife has lived in the Baltimore area as well. We grew up around the same area, but she lived in New York City, Dallas, and Nashville. Um, many of those places we've owned homes. <laughs> um, so we decided to move here. We are almost at our five-year anniversary. Um. So May of 2017, we bought our first house in March 19, I believe. That sounds about right. Mm-hmm. Might have been, it couldn't have been 18, could it? No, it's 2019. Um, and then we're, we're, we're on the journey to sell this house and buy another one. Buying your second property, and you moved to New yes. Zealand with kids as well, didn't you? Just Correct. so we know that, because we we want to we want to feel the stress, Ryan. We know <laughs> we know that this isn't easy buying and selling houses when you have children with you. So yes, yes. When we moved here, off. yeah. When we moved here, um, my son was almost three, um, so he is almost eight now, and my daughter was five. Right. Okay. Uh, so she's 10. Yeah. And just to remind us again what you do. Joe's a teacher, isn't she? Your wife's a teacher. And remind us yes. what you, you do again. Uh, I'm in software. I'm in, in IT. Software. Software. Yeah. yeah. You always say that as if it's just like, yeah, no big deal. But I'm, I'm always, so- <laughs> I'm always well, really impressed. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. It's one of those jobs that people are either interested in or they're really not. Um, so I tend to not go into too much detail unless people ask questions because right. really, um, yeah, some people find technology incredibly boring and some are really interested. So I just kind of, I'm in software. I don't, yeah. don't want to get into too many details. It's know. one of those jobs, isn't it? Oh. Yes. Okay. Well, like I say, I've got tons of questions, brilliant questions, by the way. Thank you to every one of you within our private community that put these questions out because they're fantastic. I couldn't have come up with them myself. So thank you to you. So let's start. Yeah, with- and I think I might be able to answer some of them. right let's start with tanya so tanya tanya said how do mortgages work do we need to build up a credit report like in the uk and what is the borrowing power so is it like wages times four etc so should we start there so yeah um so it's interesting because there's some ways in which the us is a little more they have kind of hard rules for things. Um, so uh, like I said, when, when I was younger, I, I worked in the mortgage industry. My wife worked in the mortgage industry. So I'm very familiar with how it worked in the U S right. You have a very much like if your credit score is this, 
your interest rate is this for every, you know, if your credit score is lower than that, you get a bump up of interest rate, blah, blah, blah. Um, and that's because predominantly in the U.S., we work with fixed mortgages, um, which is not true here. I'm sure we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, so you do get kind of credit reporting here, but it's not as big and stringent. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like they ran a credit report, but nobody ever talked to me about it. Um, so it's not... Um, it's not as big of a deal, mostly because I think you work with banks here and banks do a lot of the mortgages. And then, and since their goal for mortgages here is to, um, service the mortgage. So they're the ones that you're actually going to deal with on a daily basis. They think, they think in turn more holistic picture. Right. Um, typically in the States, there's very stringent guidelines because what they want to do is they want to package your loan with a bunch of other loans and sell them to someone else. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the people who, who get your mortgage aren't necessarily the people that are going to service it. So they want your loan to look as good as possible because they can sell it for as much as possible. Right. Um, so that's the beginning of the question. I feel like there was about four questions in there. Yeah, Which I'm sorry. Did, I, I what, threw, what didn't I, I hit? I, I, no, it's so okay. <laughs> do we need, so we, do we need to build up a, a credit report? So if you're going for a mortgage in New Zealand, do they say to you, do they even look like, I'm sure it's a long time ago, but I'm sure in the UK, like if you had like credit card debt, you had to declare it, you know, like if you, yeah. if you owed money on store cards, you had to declare it. Do you have to do that in New Zealand? Is it the same? Yes. Yeah. In, in the States, what usually happens is you run a credit report and all that information just pops up for you. Right. Right. And so, um, and there are guidelines around the percentages, um, what they call the back and front end ratios, right. That are usually relatively hard as to where we want. Right. Mm. Here, it's a little more flexible because they understand that costs they know most of the costs, right? They will talk to you, um, which I found particularly interesting when we were getting this mortgage. They would talk about how much do you spend per month on electricity? How much do you spend per month? Mm-hmm. On the, right. And they yeah. ask those questions that they would never ask in the US, right? Because they just went strictly with percentages right. where you would say, okay, we're going to assume your costs or something. You can adjust those if you want, but for the most part, here's your, here's our rule. It has to be a certain percentage of your income, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Here that's kind of true, but the percentages are a little higher and a little more flexible. Um, Cause again, if you're, if you're banking with the bank that you're going to have your mortgage through um, most of the time, they already know all that information. Right. Right. It's all in their computers. They know what's going on. Right. Um, so they just ask for some, a little bit of clarification, but yeah, you tell them if you have credit cards and stuff. Um, but I find that there's a far fewer credit cards here than in the U S mm. um, we getting our first credit card was, I won't say difficult. It was a little, a little interesting because yeah. you don't have any credit. Right. Um, but our, we got it through our bank right who has all of our records and we just said hey can we get a credit card and they said yeah and um so we still we still use that card um on occasion but 
it's it's just not as much of a credit-based society here. Right. Okay. You know what? Before I just just hold that thought, because in a minute I'm going to ask you to walk me through the step-by-step process of what it's like to get a mortgage in New Zealand. But actually, okay. I'm going to jump to Bert's question before we start diving in. I'm going to jump to Bert's question that's on the end of my list for some reason, but it should have been at the beginning because this is really important. Is Who can buy? Yeah, well, yeah, basically, is like he's saying, I know you have to be a citizen or a resident, but if you have a visa pathway that will give you residency after a few months or years, can you purchase a home right after you arrive? So basically, how long do you have to rent until you can be buy a property? And and I think there was a lot of questions around this. Yes, there was. Some- there was. They, different people phrased it differently, but it's when when can I buy, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, um, <laughs> that saves me sprawling out all that words, doesn't it? <laughs> when can yeah, I buy? yeah. yeah. When, when can I buy? When am, yeah. when am I legally allowed to buy? Yes. Um, and I will say the only reason I know anything about this for the most part is because we bought our first house right around that time where the law changed. Right. Um, so there was a little bit of confusion as to whether or not we could buy at the time. Right. So um, there's been more clarification in the last three years or whatever, but it's my understanding. And you probably need to get a little more clarification with people that are, you know, in the know on this. Mm-hmm. But the basic understanding is you can buy after you. You have to have resident, at least residency, right? And have been in the country for. If you dream of moving to New Zealand, then you are going to love what I'm about to share with you. Twelve years ago, when me and Bri emigrated to New Zealand, we were scouring the internet trying to find any information that we could about what our life would be like when we got here, and basically all we had was YouTube. So we made this vow. We said, when we get to New Zealand, we're going to create something that we can share with others that answers those questions that you're so desperate to know about. Like, what is your life going to be like when you get here? And that's what I'm here to offer you today. We have created a five-day free, absolutely free video guide that shows you what it's really like to live in New Zealand. This stuff is unique and it is fabulous. You are not going to find it anywhere else on the internet. And like I say, it's absolutely free. You'll be sent a video every day for five days and you will know what it's like in New Zealand. So head over to the website. It's www.nzahead/free. One more time, that's www.nzahead/free. You are going to love it. But the basic understanding is you can buy after you, you have to have resident, at least residency. Right. And have been in the country for a year. Had residency for a year or just been in the no, country? been in the country. Right. So for us, we started on a, I started on a work visa, um, but very quickly changed over to a residency visa. But that was the biggest question, I think, when, when the law first changed was they weren't even even immigration consultants and stuff weren't sure if it was one year of residency or one year in the country and residency 
Right. And it seems to have fallen on the one year in the country and residency. Right. Because a lot of the things that they weren't sure of, if you have residency, there's rules around how much time you have to spend in New Zealand per year and all these kind of things that they kind of went, well, if you have residency, you meet all the prereqs for yep. the other stuff we wanted. So we're just going to say you have to be a resident, right? Which means you live in the country at least 183 days a year, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's, yeah, I think that's the rule. But that's, that's, that is what I have been seeing. And it seems that that's most people's understanding is, okay. is that residency, at least residency and one year in the country. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. And also just, which, to- which I think is good because yeah. if you've never been here or you don't know the areas real well, you probably want to live here a while before you know where you want to purchase anyway. A hundred percent. Yeah. I was going to say we lived here 18 months before we bought our land and built our house. And I just want to say as well for you guys, you know, for the members in the in the community, ask uh, ask um, Fabian from New Zealand Shores if you're, yeah. you know, if you're not a hundred percent sure about it, just shoot him a DM or, or, or tag him in or something, and I'm sure he will yeah. clarify that for you. Yeah, and in somewhere in the conversation, he posted a link to the government's. Yes, I'll put that. Know, in the, where, yeah, yeah. There's a there's like a questionnaire you can answer, and some of that stuff gets a little weird because you don't you don't know where you're going to be at the time you want to buy. So, yeah. and it's government. So it's always a little kind of fuzzy. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's a, the, the rule of thumb. So yeah. we can cut, we can safely say then you don't have to be a citizen to buy a Correct. property in New Zealand. Right. Cause I'm okay. not a citizen. No. Okay. So why yeah. not? What are you doing? Why are you dragging your feet? Get down there. There's no dragging my feet. You have, to, your oath. <laughs> you have to be, I think you have to be a resident for five years, like you have to go through the residency and permanent residency processes. And I think it's five years. Yeah. So we, I think later this year, we can become residents. I mean, um, citizens. Yay. So we'll do it when we can. We just, we have, we have to wait out our time. Yeah. That's fair (laughs) enough. That's fair enough. So, right. Okay. So back to our original question, I'm just going to ask a really simple, (laughs) it's going to sound a bit silly, but so, I'm in New Zealand, I'm now a resident and I've lived here for a year and I see this beautiful property that I want to buy. How do I buy it? Uh, That's a fun question. All right, so so we just want to talk about it from the New Zealand perspective, Yeah. right? Okay, so we're not going to compare right now. We'll we'll go back to that. So here, if you want something, um, there's a process, all right? I am very used to buying agents, which don't really exist here. Okay. So that's mm-hmm. something that people need to, to recognize. Most of the agents that are going to be involved in the transaction are selling agents. Right. Or they work with what they would call vendors most of the time, right? The person selling the property. So you have to do a lot of the legwork yourself. Right. So you're getting on trade me, you're getting on the websites and saying, I want to look in an area or driving around and then where you see signs. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you go, most of the time you go to an open house. Sometimes you can talk to the um, agent and say, I want to see the house. Right. So in some way, shape or form, you go and see the house. That's usually the first step. Um, So you check it out. you, You say, I want to buy this property. Right. Can I just, just hold that thought? Just hold right there. 
because I want to ask you something because you've just done this now. Okay. How come they don't put the price on anything and how do you know if you can even afford that property? Because they don't advertise the price, Ryan. Yeah, you want to talk about legwork. All right. Um, <laughs> your best bet, at least this is what we did, was we looked at recent sales. Right. Um, there are websites out there to kind of go, what is what is property sold for recently in these areas? Um, and that gives you a rough estimate, right? You have to know, um, for me, we went to the bank first. And we said, how much will you give us, right? Because right. that's, that's a good starting point so that we can say, okay, we know what our budget is, okay? So I know what my budget is. And so you start looking around and say, what areas are around my budget? Okay. Now, sometimes you can talk to agents. They might not necessarily be the ones that are going to, you know, they're not going to work for you to help you buy the property. But you can say, hey, if I've got a budget, what does that look like? Right. Where, right. where can I look and those kind of things? Good tip. And, yep. Yeah. And you start finding out very, very interesting things um, like around here. And I don't know if it's everywhere, if it's just in this region, the whole plaster home thing from what was it? The early two thousands, maybe late nineties, early two thousands. Mm. Um, where around here, there were a lot of houses that were built with plaster on the outside and the plaster they used requires a lot more maintenance. So because of that, it's harder to buy those houses and they tend to go for cheaper. Right. Because if you want to fix that, it costs a lot of money to do that. So you start looking around and you'll find people will say, Oh, this is a plaster home, right? That's so, you know, Oh, it's a plaster home in Gulf Harbor. So it's, am I willing to deal with that maintenance? And then the bank's, you know, are they willing to lend? How much are they willing to lend? I mean, there's mm. just, you know, little intricacies. Um, but ultimately, talk to a bank or if you have a financial broker in some sort, we, we have one now uh, we started using recently, a friend of ours. Um, so figure out kind of roughly what you can What you borrow. can afford. Okay. Right. And then do your research. Right. Okay. And do your yeah. research and look around. And we're going to go back to that, have how much you can borrow, because Lysel gave us a very good question about how much you can actually borrow depending on your wages. But okay, go back then. So you're in, you, you've got, yeah. you've, you've been to the bank, you've found out that you can borrow million dollars or however much you want to borrow, 500,000, whatever your budget is. And now you find the house. What's happening? You've gone to your open home. All right. So we like the house and we look at it and we go, oh, this could work for us. You have, you, you have conversations with the agent sitting there. All right. As with most things in New Zealand, relationships matter. Yeah. <laughs> Talking to people matters. Right. So you, you, you start dealing with these um, agents and you start talking to them and recognizing that they're working for the vendor. You can still usually get a good idea as to how much the vendor is looking for. You might get a starting price. You might get a, a range. It depends on um, how cagey the agent wants to be. But ultimately, they have to give you something right. because if they want to sell the house, they have to give somebody some indication, right? Mm -hmm. 
and this is where you go with the whole is it by auction is it by you know there are those bits which we i know there are questions about so we'll get into those later um but so you you kind of get a rough estimate as to what they're looking for Mm -hmm. i mean that's that's what it boils down to and you know if it's something you're interested in and you think it's roughly within your price range that's when you start some form of negotiation but one thing for americans I know that I struggled with the first time talking to a lawyer. Okay. All right. Okay. Here, you're the the person that's advocating for you as a lawyer. All right. So if you want to put in an offer, you generally go, you will talk to the agent. The agent will say, I'll send you a rough contract. We'll fill in some of the details and you can fill in the other stuff and give it to you. Right. And you can work that way. Or that's where you kind of initiate talking to a lawyer. And you can even do this early on um, because we've got a a woman we work with regularly, our lawyer. um, So we can just go and say, hey, I've got questions. I want to put in an offer on this house. And the lawyer will have, and this is where it's different from the US. The lawyer says, it will cost this amount of money. What, for her services? Yes, for my services to do this to do this deal with you. Right. Right. It's usually pretty set in stone. Here's how much it's going to cost you. Right. So then you can just have conversations with them as much as you want and they'll talk you through it. And um, mine's particularly good. She does. She looks at every little detail on the contract and she'll say, are you sure you want to do this? We can take this out because they just do this because this is what the agent likes, not necessarily because the vendor wants it. Right. Oh. Those kind of things. Um and then you'll you'll put in an offer and you'll put in most of the time what's considered a conditional offer right yeah so this is this is where it's it's similar but different from the US is getting used to um, how they phrase things so you'll see stuff like okay it's going to be conditional upon getting what they call a limb Yep. Which I can't remember what that stands for. Do you remember? Yeah. I, I looked it up. Um, hang on. I did <laughs> I did write it down. Everyone's yeah, I can look it up real now. quick if we need to. I know. A limb report, um, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah land, so, land information memorandum. How do you say that word? Memorandum. Memorandum. Land, yeah, yeah. Land information memorandum. So the, the, the slow and skinny on that one, um, the limb is just the... What has what has happened on this property? Yeah, at least in recorded things, are those things um, like in Auckland? I'm sure this is most. You know, is it council approved? You know, did if you, you look and you you do a quick look through the limb again, you're doing a lot of this yourself. Okay, right. so if I look through the limb and I notice that there's something on the property that doesn't look right, and I don't see that they've you know, put something um, that they've got council approval, I might kind of question it. Would you question it or would you put it to your lawyer to question? You could do either. Um, Some, some lawyers will do it. Some, uh, I think ours actually looked through um, the limb to kind of see, because most of the time it's like, yeah, it's fine. It's just, Mm -hmm. they did stuff to the house, right? It's no big deal. Um, It's really just, if something is real glaring is usually when it's a problem. 
All right. Um, and then you get a property. Most conditions are limb property inspection, which most people are pretty familiar with. It's you send a guy out who knows about building and they look around to make sure the water runs and stuff. Right. Um, a lot of the basics uh, is the electricity working the way it's supposed to, you know, et cetera. Um, and then you usually have like a financing clause that says I can get financing for this house. Right. Right. Yeah. And so this is what's called a conditional um, contract. Right. And it, it's interesting because people will reference a lot of stuff, but with the contract going unconditional, which is a thing that we don't really do in the U S mm. right. It's just got all the conditions. And as long as they're met by settlement date, nobody cares. Right. That's what matters is it has to meet by settlement date mm. here. A lot of those conditions have maybe a time on them. Like you have to get a property inspection. You get, you get to work some of this into the contract, but you'll, you'll do stuff like maybe it'll take you five days to get it done or 10 working days or something like that. You mm -hmm. put all this in the contract. You as you, as the buyer have to be pretty active in what the contract is going to be in the U S when you have a buying agent, it's, it's, they tend to handle all that for you. Right. right. Um, so it's, it's very interesting here to kind of be more active in the process. Mm. Um, so that's, that's been a real interesting thing for me. It's been a lot more communication. Again, I'll call my lawyer and I'll say, okay, I've sent you over this, or they've sent back the contract with their changes. Can you look it over? So, and let's talk about it. So it's a lot more interactive. Mm. Um, some people may like that. Some people might be annoyed yeah. by that, but it's a good thing um, to know yeah. though, isn't it? Because if you're not yes. expecting it, like you say, I'm sure in the UK, I mean, when we were buying and selling, you let your agent do a lot of that. Like, you know, you tell them what you want and they go and backwards and forwards and sort it for you. But yeah. It's good to know that you've got to be on the ball and doing it yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I, I think it's, you know, it says a lot about the Kiwi attitude about things, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you want to be more active. It. And, yeah. It's like, I'm buying this house, so I'm going to be involved and I'm going to make sure that everything's, you know, yeah. correct and all that. Can I just yeah. knit, back, knit back to the open home now? I'm, I'm still in that open all home right. and having a good look around at the spare bedroom and things. What's the atmosphere like? Well, first of all, when you went to see your house, for instance, your second house that you've just bought, was that an open home that you went to? Yes. Right. When you turned up at the open home, how many other people were there and what was the atmosphere like? Was it like, you know, cutthroat sort of thing or was it friendly or did you feel like you had a chance or tell me about I, that? I thought it was pretty friendly. Um, we actually went two weekends in a row. So we went the first weekend to check it out and the second weekend to go, okay, <laughs> it's a lot of money. Are we sure mm -hmm. we want to do this? Right. Mm -hmm. Cause it's a lot of money. Um, and both times there were a couple other families there kind of wandering around, but it's more awkward because of COVID than it is about the people. Right. Cause right. you know, under, under COVID restrictions, everybody's got to be masked and you're, you're trying to stay away from one another while you're walking through corridors and such. Um, but no, I mean, I, I joke with some of the people that I see, you know, there are some, 
some times where you're doing open homes where you kind of get a list of them. Usually you make a, a half day of it, right? Where you yeah. go, okay, well, this one's from 11 to 11.30. So we'll go see this. This one's from 11.30 to 12. And so you kind of come with the order, right? And you find a lot of the, you know, if you're lo- looking at a certain price range, you'll see a lot of the same people. <laughs> Right? They're looking for all the same things, right? Their price range is going to be similar to yours. So it's like, wait, wait, we followed you to this one. You followed us to the last one. You know, and it was just, you know, so sometimes you just, you joke around and, and that right. kind of thing. Most so it doesn't are. feel like, you know, don't, don't get to it, get to it before yeah, they get, get out of my house. Yeah. It doesn't feel like that. <laughs> no. no, right. Okay. So, so you've put your offer in and you've put all your conditions in, you've got your money from your bank beforehand and you've, you've, you've they've said they'll agree to, is that right? Yes. yes? I, yes. I'm just what, what they'll agree to. Correct. Right. We'll come back I mean, and talk about that. Yeah. And yeah, then, it isn't necessarily they hand you money yet. But no, yeah. but they they agree to it. You put your Correct. offer in with some conditions, like, you know, make sure that it hasn't got that plaster on the outside of the walls and things like that. And yeah. you have this survey done by so date. If you meet all the conditions, then what happens? Then, then it goes to what's called unconditional status, where um, usually that's where you put down your deposit. Right, which we're going to talk about in a minute. Yep. Right. Um, So whatever your initial deposit is, that's when you're going to hand them money. Right. And they'll usually hold it in some form of trust. Um, The owners or the owners or the 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 agents. The agent. Right. Okay. Yeah. Because, I mean, I don't know how much you want to go into the deposit side of things, but the reason. Yeah, we've got a good question about that in a minute. Yeah. So we'll we'll go into more detail, but. yeah. So the deposits held by the agents, essentially, you know, you hand money to the agents and the agents hold it in a trust for a bit. Um, and then that's where essentially your contract is as real as it's going to be. And to get out of that contract would cost you money, right? It would cost you the down payment. Right. If you tried to, if you tried to get out of it, it, it would cost you whatever your down payment is on the contract because it's not the same as what it is on the house. So we can talk about that. But, um, so yeah, that's when it becomes kind of real when it's unconditional. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's when it's like, okay, you're going to buy this house. Cause for example, the house that we're buying, we're not unconditional yet. Okay. Right. That's why you're so stressed. (laughs) Yes. Um, it's because we're selling a house. And we can't service both mortgages. So yeah. one of our conditions is the sale of our house. Right. Got it. Got it. Yes. So you're I know in there a are chain. questions. Yes. Yeah, you're in a chain, potential. aren't you? Yeah. Yes. Okay. And oh, oh. Usually those chains, usually those chains aren't <laughs> as long as you expect they could be. Right. Uh, because very typically it's, you're only in probably like a two, two or three person chain. Okay. Um, because, for example, the house we're buying, nobody lives there. Right. So they so don't care. No That's the end of the chain. Yes. Right? Um, and the house that we're selling is, in a lot of ways, kind of the entry into the market. Right. right? It's, it's kind of your first house. It's your, it's your classic, what we call the classic Kiwi. Right? Three bedroom, two bath. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. you know... Um, so the likelihood is that whoever buys our house is probably going to be a first time buyer. 
Right. So there won't be in a chain either. Likely. Um, but now, it will be if you're in the middle somewhere, you could. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Good point. So you, the person who buys your house, you they're just dependent on whether they can get the finance to buy your house. Correct. And once they buy your house, then you can buy the next house. Right. Brilliant. Which is one of the reasons why you do auctions, which is a question that's later, but we'll talk about that later. Um, right. Yeah. So actually, yeah. let's let's just jump right back. So let's just pretend now that your house is that they've bought your house. Okay. You're all ready to go. I'm, I'm, I'm foreseeing this for you to make you feel better. Okay. This is all going to happen next week. <laughs> they're going to come in. They're going to buy your hopefully house. Thursday. <laughs> okay. It, Thursday. <laughs> our, our auction is in two days. So hopefully that'll happen. Right. So, and then you've got the money from your house and then you buy your dream home. You move in, the bank gives you the money and everything. And that, that, that that's complete, isn't it? Yes. So in answer to Tanya's questions, Tanya's question, how does the whole house buying thing work? We've just summed it up quickly, haven't we, Ryan? <laughs> yeah, real quick, right? Now, like now let's go back. Question. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. So Randy asked, do you avoid home buying options, options like auction? And is there any buyer protection or home sale on home sales? So does he mean just do you avoid auctions or? I think if if you're asking in terms of how do auctions work here versus I, I think Randy's in Canada. Randy's so in Canada, yeah. But I can tell you in the US. Yep. Auctions rarely happen. Auctions typically happen when a house has been foreclosed on um, or somebody's in kind of a desperate situation. So auctions have kind of a different connotation in the US, mm. right? Um, so here your auction, you set an auction date and you can sell before the auction. You can not sell at the auction. You can, if you have like one bidder come to the auction, you can essentially stop the auction and just negotiate with them directly right then and there. Um, it's a lot more open from that perspective. So when you do an auction here, one of the reasons why you do it is because somebody can't bid at an auction unless they can go unconditional immediately. Right. Got it. Right. Which means that somebody coming in, that's what the here they would call them a cash buyer. Yes. So if somebody comes to our auction on Thursday, that means they're ready to purchase the house. Yep. They've already done, because for example, I know at least one person has come and done a home inspection on my house already, right? So That's they've promising. That. Yeah. yeah. So they've invested money to do that. You know, they've come out and they've done those things. Chances are they've already done the limb report. For example, they do it on their own. Um, and they've probably secured financing in some sort, right? The bank says, we will lend you up to a certain amount of money, mm -hmm. right? So when they come in, they're ready to purchase. If there's multiple people, you do the bidding like you would any other auction, right? People just kind of go up and do their thing. Um, but usually what happens is the, the, the seller or the vendor 
will declare kind of like a, Hey, I'm going to talk to my agent and I'm going to say, I'm not going to sell a house and our house under this price. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't reach that price at auction, you either say, we're not going to sell it or um, does anybody want to negotiate, you know, the, the winner of the auction, let's say can negotiate with us directly to change those things. Cause let's say they were 20,000 off and you go, well, would you be willing to go up another Mm 20,000 and, you know, make this deal happen, you know, so you, again, that conversation starts. So you can do that, or you can choose to go, nah, it didn't sell at auction. And then you put it up, um, you leave it on the market, but maybe you put a price on it um, or you put, you know, by negotiation or, you know, Mm -hmm. those kind of various things. So you can, you can do that. So there isn't a, there isn't a thing where, if you put it up for auction, you have to sell it for auction at whatever price they sell, they, they want to buy it for. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's from that perspective, there is protections around that. Right. I've got, I've got some questions about auction because they do auctions in the UK. Me and Brian went to one once, right? We were, we had our hearts set on this beautiful house. We went to the bank. I think it was about 450,000, which was massive for us at the time. Like, you know, it was just what it still would be a pound, you know, and it was like, actually it wasn't 450. I think it was 250, but it was still a lot of money. And we'd gone to the bank. Sure. We'd got all our finance. We'd done the report. Like you say, we had um, a house, a builder go around and check it all out. So we had it all. And then we went to like this big church hall thing. Like, so it was a big, big building. And at the front stood a, a, a man, I'll never forget. He was on like a podium thing. And he had like, you know, and he goes, okay, lots number 24, you know, whatever the address was, starting at 250. So we had our budget of, two, I think it was 270, say. And he went 250, 260, 270, 280, 290. Two, and it was like, oh my gosh, you know, like it was that quick. And we'd spent yeah. all that time and all that energy and all that love that we, we, we were thinking, oh, we're going to have this house. And it just went. So in the UK, I'm talking personally, I can't stand auctions. I just think, oh, it's cutthroat. It's horrible. Is there the same feeling in New Zealand about auctions like that? I don't think so. I, I think now I've never been to an auction. Right. right. The the one for my house will be the first one I've actually attended. Okay. So keep this in mind. Um, But I think what happens is if you're doing enough of your homework, you talk with the agent for the vendor quite a bit, right? Because you're, you're trying to organize. If you want to send out somebody to do a property inspection, right? You're talking to that agent Mm -hmm. because they're the ones that, that organize those kind of things. And you just, again, you ask questions because if you say, here's my top price and the agent says, it's not going to sell for that. It's going to go way above that. So you Mm. just, you know, they're probably not going to say that directly, but they might go, "Mm, that's kind of on the low side of what they're looking for. Mm. You might decide not to. Mm. Right. Um, We, for the houses that we're looking at, we didn't go to any open homes for any auctions, right? Because we knew we couldn't do an auction. We were not cash buyers, right? right? So we waited, you know, it's like, well, if that's how house doesn't sell for auction, we'll go see it, right? Yeah. Um, so it really depends on what situation you're in. 
And is the chance of it coming out of auction and going on the market, is that quite high? Oh. Right now, yes. Right. Oh, that's good um, to know then. So you're not like completely yeah. put off. Yeah. yeah. So right now, right now, due to our market is slowing down um, mm. and even dipping a little bit right now because the government's trying to do that because our house prices are outrageous. Um, <laughs> so... Yeah, so not a lot of stuff selling at auctions. Um, so for the most part, at least the only reason we we decided to do an auction is because we're trying to avoid a chain. Right. You just right? want a cash buyer. Yes. Yeah. So even if there's just one person that comes out and we go, look, let's let's ignore this auction thing and let's just actually sit down and um, you know, let's just negotiate right here. Right. Right. Yeah. We know that that person is a cash buyer. We know that person is ready to purchase. We just have to agree on numbers and then we can, we can close this thing. Right. Uh, so that's one of the main reasons we did it mm. where, and, and it's, it's weird because my wife keeps saying, I just want an offer. Like yeah. we're so used to having offers. Mm. I mean, our, every house we sold in Nashville I think we sold within the first week, mm. right? We had multiple offers or at least one or two, depending on which house it was, right? So we're so used to getting that, put the house mm. on the market, you get somebody trying to buy it. Yeah. It's, it's very weird to go, we have to wait. Okay, we have yeah. to wait. We have to be patient. <laughs> So, yeah. Hey, Ryan, there's nothing better is there when then you get that call from the agent. They're like, oh, hello, we've got an offer for you on the property. And you're like, yes. yes. <laughs> well, <am> I- it's, <laughs> yeah, it was nuts. I mean, Nashville's market, uh, while not quite as expensive, is kind of like Auckland in a lot of ways. It got super popular. So everybody was moving there and it was nuts. So the, the house that we were selling before we moved here, right? We went away for a weekend because we knew that they were going to be doing open homes and that kind of stuff. And we wanted to just not stress out as much as possible. So we went away for the weekend and our, our agent calls us Saturday night and says, we have 11 offers on this house. Oh, that's nice. That's yes. Nice. So he just, he made up essentially a little spreadsheet for us as to what all the different conditions and such were and yeah. sent it over to us. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's, it's kind of nuts. So here it's just, it's more of, it's more patience. It's more of a waiting game. Um, mm. And just kind of, you have to have that, that calm side yeah. of things. So, so just to clarify, just to make sure everyone is clear, when you say you have to be a cash buyer to enter an auction, do you, you, you just mean that you've been approved by the bank for your finance? It doesn't mean you've got to have 750,000 sitting in your bank account in cash. No, no, no. It, it purely means that you are ready to sign a contract with no conditions. Right. Okay. That's all that means is that you can't, you can't have a lot of conditions. You're not in a chain. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. You can't say, I really want to buy this house, but I have to sell mine. It's like, yes. Okay. You cannot, you cannot do that. Brilliant. Right. So in answer to Nikki's question, I think we've just, uh, we've just answered it actually. She said, do you have any crazy chain situations in New Zealand, like the UK? But this is a good point that she said, because we've talked about the chain. So yes, there are chains in New Zealand. Yes. Yes. There, there, there have to be, I have 
have to assume um, in different areas. If I say this, if you live in areas where the house prices aren't drastically different, you're probably more likely to get those chain situations. Mm. All right. But here, at least up on the peninsula, there really seems to be relatively stringent kind of ladder almost. Right. Right. Okay. Where it's, we have X number of buyers under this price. Mm. We have X number of buyers in this club. Right. So it becomes a lot less of a chain when the numbers are more drastic because you're looking at, is it a first time home buyer? Is it a family moving up? Is it a, you know, yeah. um, are you downsizing because your kids have moved out? You know, those kind of things where it's a little more, um, but I would imagine that if you're moving from different areas of Auckland, you might, or any city, um, you might have more chains going. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because of the price, like what you're saying is because of the price difference around that area. Yeah. So yeah. if your price difference is only about a hundred thousand, then you might just have somebody who's moving, but they have to sell their house because, but you're like from, you know, it's almost like a horizontal move where it's mm. just, Oh, it's just a little bit bigger or it's this or that, you know, Got it. Yeah. for different reasons. So it depends yeah. on why, um, which is why I say like our house is, I mean, it's, it's, it's a really expensive starter home, but it's a starter mm. home. Mm. Before we move on and ask this next question about gazumping, do you even know what gazumping is? No. Right. Okay. I I I, I kind of I felt Figured through it, out. it <laughs> yeah. based on context, but you know, if you want to explain it, uh, yeah. I'd, I'd say it wouldn't hurt. <laughs> I will. I'll explain Nikki's the the next part of Nikki's question. But before we move on, because I'm going to forget otherwise, you know, when you okay. have your auction on Sunday or Thursday, you're having it, aren't you? Yes. Are you going to be the one that's st- up? First of all, where's it going to be? Is it in your front room or are you going in the garden or what? We're doing it over Zoom. Oh, um, over Zoom. Okay. Just with all the COVID stuff, it's just easier. They've just been doing them online nowadays. And will you be the one that says, okay, lot 24, Ryan Bevan's no. house? No, you, no who, my do, agent, who does that? My agent organizes a, an auctioneer. Right. That's all I want to know. I know I have to have it pictured in my mind. What's going to be happening in your house on Thursday? Otherwise I won't sleep tonight. (laughs) I'll I'll, I'll be on a little box in the corner, (laughs) muted. They'll probably tell me to turn my camera off. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be able to watch. Yeah. I'll be there. My agent will be there. Any buyers would be there. Right. Um, The auctioneer. um, I don't know anybody who's interested. Yeah. I don't know. Good luck for Thursday. I know you're going to sell it. I can just see it. It's going to be brilliant. The perfect buyer is going to come and then you're going to move along and be able to buy yours. But yeah, oh, I hope so. It will, darling. It will. It will. I know it is. Right. So gazumping, I love that word, gazumping in the UK is where if you go and buy a property and you see your dream house and you put an offer on and the agent says, puts it to the owner and the owner says, yep, I'll accept 500,000 for this house. And you're like, brilliant. And you go away and you pay money for the building report and the the house damp proof course that you're going to need. And you get all these things and you employ a solicitor and that costs you hundreds of dollars. And literally you book your removals van because you're just about to move out on the 1st of June. On the 28th of May, if another per- or any date 
comes and goes, I'll give you 550, that owner can say, yeah, I'm going to sell it to them instead. And you get nothing back. You get no compensation. It's just you're out. You've been outbid and that's called gazumping. And there's no protection whatsoever for, for buyers when they're buying yeah. a house. So is that the same in New Zealand? Depends. Um, the short answer is work it into your contract. Um, and I'll, I'll, we did it. So I'll talk about that. But if you are unconditional, which is kind of what that sounds like, mm-hmm. no, you cannot do that. Right. They're just not allowed. I mean, if they want to break the contract, there are problems with that. Right. I mean, they just, they can't do it. Um, The buyer can, the buyer is actually more likely to be able to break the contract. They're going to be out the money that they put down, whatever that money was. Um, But the seller can't. Right. And if the deal falls through for some reason, you know, or they can talk to the, the buyer maybe and ask them if they want to work something out. But there's nothing, there's no obligations on the buyer. Um, now, if it's conditional, right? Like our, our, our contract is still conditional. Mm-hmm. One of the things that sellers will do, because it's not really a thing that you do here, right? So the sellers will put in something that says, all right, look, the settlement date's pretty far out. So we're going to put in a clause that says, if we get a better deal, you have so many days to go unconditional or we can pick to go with someone else, right? Right. So our contract right now is five days. So we have a conditional contract that says, we'll buy it if we can sell our house. And they put in something that says, okay, they get a contract from somebody else decides to bid on this house. Right. And for whatever reason, they want to go with that one. I have five days to go unconditional or I have to let it go. Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. So if I decide, I think the house is going to sell, I'm willing to take the risk or we set up bridge financing. Again, we, we used to work in the mortgage industry, so we, we know some things that you can do. Um, so one of the things is when we arranged our financing with our bank, we asked them if we could do a, something called bridge financing, yeah. which basically says there's a short time where you only have to pay interest only on one of your loans and... Um, and you have X amount of time before you're going to settle on that, blah, blah, blah. Um, so there's stuff to work out there, but it basically gives you a little bit of an umbrella of just in case. So if we know that we've got a decent contract, you know, we can go, all right, we'll go unconditional because we know we can kind of bridge it a little bit. It'll cost us a bit of money, but we still get the house. Right. But you don't have to up the you don't have to up your offer though. No. So what if they because turn around and can say well, someone's offered you offered us fifty grand more? Do you have to match that or? 
No. Right. Because we have signed a contract. And in that contract <laughs> says we have five days to go unconditional. And if we do, they have to accept what we gave them. Right. Because I've they signed that contract. Yes. And they what- are legally bound by that contract as long as we meet all of our side of that contract. Yeah, I've got it. Now, yeah. again, yeah, they can come up and say, look, somebody offered us 100,000 more than you did. And we could say, I don't care, right? It's, we'll go unconditional tomorrow. And then they have to deal with whatever the yes. situation is. Yes. So you're, yep. what you're saying is you could get a bridging loan and go and if you could do that, you could go unconditional in five days. When, yep. wh- what part of the buying process do you sign that uh, piece of paper? That is all contract negotiation, right? So all of that stuff is part of the contract negotiations. Okay. So when we put in our offer, we said, we want these number of days to do the limb, the property report, blah, blah, blah. Right. We want this number of days and they can come back and they go, no, that's too many days. How about the, like, I think we right. did maybe 10 days or something. Um, Cause if there's something I've learned about contract negotiation is give them something to come back because they'll always find something. Mm. So, um, so they came back and they were like, well, how about five days to do this? And then, you know, they'll put in a clause that says something, something. And then we could go, mm, cause they put in, for example, that clause was only three days for um, if they get an offer, we have three days to do unconditional. And we were like, nah, but give us five, five right? Yeah. Yep. You know, and so you go back and forth and the same can be said about down payment um, or deposit. I don't want to call it. Yeah. Deposit. Thank yeah. you. Cause that's yeah. different than a down payment. Um, so the deposits negotiable as well. Oh, okay. Yes. But- yes. Most people don't know that. No. Well, well, completely negotiable while we're talking about deposit let's jump to lizel's question where is she where are you lizel and she said she's saving like mad at the moment to save every penny she can to put Mm -hmm. a deposit down on a house in new zealand um she's aware of the 20 percent deposit rule so i'm taking Mm -hmm. it you need a minimum of 20 percent when she says that but what would be a good amount to put down on a house property She's not hoping to, she's actually, I, I think if I remember rightly, Lizel, you're going up north, she's going in the Northlands. So she's not looking around major cities, but what is a good chunk of money to put down as a deposit on a house? Uh, it depends on the person and what your thoughts are around economics. Okay, mm. I'll just, I'm gonna put that caveat in there. Um, <laughs> But ultimately, 20% is standard, relatively speaking. There are, banks are allowed a certain number of borrowers that are 10%, 10 to 20%. So you can put 10% down. They're a little harder to get, but they do exist, especially for first-time homebuyers. Right. Um, also, if you buy a brand new property, you only have to put 10% down. Right. I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. It's 20% on pre-existing properties, 10% on new. Um, so if you're a first time home buyer, there is some flexibility. And 
first time home buyer in New Zealand. So it doesn't matter if you own a house in the US. Oh, yeah, I was going to say that. New Zealand yeah. doesn't give a crap, yeah. right? Yeah. They don't know. Um, do they do they give so, you a higher interest rate though? If you like, is yes. it? Yeah, yeah. So same as, as usual, right? Yeah. Um, so that's another thing that I'm not used to when it came to adjustable rate mortgages. Adjustable rate mortgages work very differently in the United States. So people in the U.S. have a very different picture on what adjustable rate mortgage means. Mm -hmm. If they know anything about it, their picture is very different. So here, when you, when you talk to a bank, you actually kind of negotiate your rate, right? right? And you say, okay. And they look and they go, well, based on the fact that you've got 20% equity, or 10% equity, right? There's an interest rate we can offer you. The more you put down, the lower the interest rate, okay? Mm. But there's also an adjustment rate period, right? Where you could say, we will give you this interest rate if you lock it in for six months. Yeah. This interest rate, if you lock it in for a year, this interest rate, if you lock it in for two years, mm. all right? Now in the US, if you have an adjustable rate mortgage, depending on its adjustment period, which is usually a year, the bank automatically adjusts that based on current rates. Right. Right. So the bank decides what that rate is. Here, after your, after your period of um, whatever you lock it in for, let's say mm -hmm. a year, at the end of the year, the bank send you an email or whatever, however you get your information that says, hey, it's about to be, the lock period's about to end. Let's talk about your, um, what your next rate is going to be, right? So you still kind of have those negotiations. So for me, we only had 10% to put down, mm. all right? So we bought a house with 10% down. By the time that our, by the time the adjustment rate period was over, our lock period, our house had gained enough value that we were under the 20%, right? right? So, so with the equity in the house plus everything, we were at 20%. So our interest rate was better than it was before. Mm -hmm. So they talk and they go, oh, you're under 80%. That's great. Here we do this. Like in the US, you're paying mortgage insurance if you're above 80%. Right. So there's an extra fee tacked on top of it that you're paying every month that honestly does absolutely nothing for you. It's just for the bank, mm. right? And sometimes when you get 20% equity, trying to convince them to remove mortgage insurance can be tedious mm. um, and will often cost you money in order to get that removed right it's i mean it's, it's mm. like i say in the u.s you get nickel and dimed constantly right mm. and so essentially from an american's perspective we get to refinance once a you know every year or so without costing us any money which is not how that works now if the interest rates have gone up you have to deal with that and if they go down then yay but yeah Right. So it's a different perspective yeah. on that. 
But it's good to know that if you're a first time buyer, because I didn't know that you only need 10%. And so standard is 20%, say. Yes. Yes. So keep saving, Lysel. Yes. (laughs) Saving as much as you can, girl. (laughs) Yeah. But ultimately, if you come here and you only have 15%, you can still get a mortgage. Right. That's that's the thing. You might have to shop around a little bit and you might pay a little higher interest rate. Right. Um, But it's possible. I mean, that's the whole thing. It's possible. Mm. Is it really hard to get? Because I've been hearing all these horror stories about, oh, the bank's lending at the moment is impossible. They want to know whether you're watching Netflix. They want to know what you how many times you go to the cafe. What would your opinion be on that? Would you say it's hard to get a mortgage or? Coming at it from a two-income family that making good money, no. Right. Um, but I recognize that that's, that's true, right? Um, we're both, you know, we're both middle-aged and we're in a certain point in our career where we're making really good money. So mm-hmm. I, can't, I can't speak to that exactly, but it is getting more stringent. It is, they are starting to look a little bit bigger picture because there's a lot of anticipation of interest rates going up and those kind of things. So they want to make sure, um, again, they make their money through servicing. Mm. So if a loan goes bad and a house gets foreclosed on, that's not good for the banks here. The states don't care as much. Um, for a, for a myriad of reasons. Um, so here it's, they're a little more conservative in their lending for that reason. Um, so they want to make sure they get their money. And right. I think I'm trying to remember the average. I, I posted this the other day with the average um, kind of pre-tax the, the percentage of pre-tax income is goes to housing. Um, yeah, I did. I remember seeing that and I can't remember what it was. It's like 20 it percent or so, 20 something percent, I believe. Um, so that's kind of a, you know, when you're looking around for mortgages and such, it's mm. kind of trying to figure that out of mm. what is that, where is that number going to be? Mm. Um, I think, I think they're looking at their, their ratios are somewhere in the um, maybe 35, 35%. I don't know, something like that. Mm. Um, So it's hard to specifically nail down a number because either they don't talk about what that number is very much Mm. um, or there's there's a little more alchemy going on in the background that we don't know about. Mm. But ultimately, yes, they will ask, how much do you spend a month on, you know, do you have a car payment? Do you have, mm. how much do you spend on food and this and that? You're, you're not bringing receipts. Okay. Right. So it's not, not. Okay. Right. I so thought you're, they were going through your bank statement, you know, I just. No, I mean, you're ballparking, mm. uh, at least when I talked to the banks, you know, it was very much like, about how much do you spend? And it's like, uh, I don't know. We probably average about $180 a month on this yeah, or whatever, yeah. you know, those kind of things. Because stuff like <laughs> petrol costs. Yeah, it's going it, up and down, isn't it? Well, it's just going up. <laughs> yeah. Well, and 
but also I work from home. Mm. So I hardly, you know, I hardly use it. So I'm like, I don't know how much I spend because mm. I don't drive a lot. Right. Um, so you are just kind of guessing. Unless, guessing. Yeah. Yeah. And if, and if you're very far away from what <laughs> they think you are, they might second guess you. Right. Um, yeah. But yeah. So yeah, just going, I mean, literally I, we might've just talked about this, but does, do they go on like, is it four times your wages or so many times how much your income is that they'll lend you? So I'm pretty sure in the UK, it was four times the, the main earner, the main earner's income. I seem to remember they got, they took Brian four times his wage and then added my wage to that and said, okay, yes. we'll lend you that much. Is that the same as here? No, it's a little higher. I think here, I think it's more like five. Oh, okay. Um, don't, don't quote me on that, but I think that's about what you're what you're looking at, um, because a lot of, and even that I don't think is true because I'm thinking about how much I'm buying this house for, and oh, but how much my mortgage is. Yeah, see, I'm I'm doing the math in my brain as to like how much was the bank willing to lend us versus how much we make. Um, and I, I gotta say it was way more than four or five times. Oh, was it? Yeah. 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 And I expect they take into other considerations like the size of your deposit and your outgoings and things like that. Wouldn't they? Yeah. Because what that, well, uh, yes. Um, but one of the other things is how much is your actual mortgage for? Right. Right. It's like, I, they kind of care, um, how much the house costs from a deposit perspective, but they care more from how much is the house worth based on how they figured it out and how much your loan is for. Right. Cause yeah. I mean, if you're buying a million dollar house, but your mortgage is only 400,000, it's a different picture than if your mortgage is 800,000. Mm, right. Mm. So they're, they're concerned more about what is your payment going to be right. and can you handle that? Yes. Um, yeah. Yep. And so for Americans, just as an FYI, um, homeowners insurance is a lot less expensive in New Zealand and there's no specific property tax that goes in because when Americans, at least this is when somebody says your, your house payment is this, when you talk to mortgages or banks and stuff, that's only principal and interest, but you always have an escrow account in the United States that grabs taxes and insurance, which always goes on top of that. But they never talk about that until you see your first payment, you know, mm. or if you really look at the fine print on some of the documents, they do technically have that in there. But um, so here there's no there's a pseudo property tax rates, right, is the closest thing you get to a property tax. Mm. Um, but that's not wildly divergent and it's really not a high percentage. Okay. Like my rates, my rates in Auckland like $2,000 a year, I think. Um, and in New Zealand, that's actually kind of high. I was going to say, I don't know how, how much of our rates, five, about the same, aren't they? Yeah, about $2,000. I'm, oh, I'm annoyed though, Ryan, because guess what? Our rates are $2,000 a year, something like that. They won't pick our bins up, they said, because we live rurally. So we don't get any refuse collection. Uh, 
We don't have any water, mains water, so we have to have tank water, so we have to pay for that ourselves. And we don't have any mains gas, so we have to buy bottled gas. And I'm like, my kids didn't go to school because I homeschooled them. And I'm like, you know, I never yeah, go like, out. Why am I paying rent? <laughs> I don't drive on the roads that often. <laughs> it's like, come on, you know, what am I yeah. paying for? <laughs> well, especially if they're not going to pick up your bins and such. I know, that's like, I know. You're like, if I'm so rural, you won't pick up. I shouldn't be considered your, the city rates, right? Exactly. I mean, that's, exactly. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Anyway, that's yeah. a, that, that's another little niggly thing. Right. Okay. Yeah. Let's just, let's just go get onto these next questions. So hang on. How hard is it? I know. Cause this is going to be a really long one. Yeah. Today, okay. It? I'm just going to, I'm going to try and I'm looking. <laughs> I don't through, care. Oh, I'm looking through Randy G's question. Oh no. Andrew, Andrew said, okay. With housing costs so high, is there a big difference between a mortgage payment and rent like there is here in the States? So is it cheaper to buy in the States or is it cheaper to rent in the States? What does he mean? Depends where you live. Um, most of the time, if you can do it, it's better to buy. That being said, I got to think about rents. Again, we're talking five years ago, and I'm only going to think in terms of Nashville. Um, I can't remember the last time I've rented, so I can't remember what the costs were. But usually renting is cheaper. Mm. I mean, just... In New Zealand oh, or in the US? No, in the US. Renting the US, is cheaper than right. buying. Okay. Sometimes, depending on your situation and what you're renting, you know... Um, but usually it's pretty close, but you usually rent for a little bit less. If you're talking about apartments, if you're talking about renting houses versus buying houses, I would always say buy, mm. um, at least in the States, because it's not going to be that different because most of the time the person's paying a mortgage. So they're going to bump it up over the mortgage. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so there's that there's, I think. Yeah, I had a rental property in the States because it was right around the, the mortgage crisis, you know, 2008, 2009. So um, I'd have lost my shirt if I tried to sell the house. <laughs> but, and it was pretty close to being, like my rent was about what my house payment was, mm. if I recall correctly. Um, so it's it's close, but I think it's still a little bit cheaper in the States. Mm to rent than to buy here depends it can go either way um for us for the house we bought at the time it was a little more expensive but pretty much the same mm. now you do have the other costs associated with owning a home that you don't typically have with renting. Good point. Yeah. Right. So there's there's a little bit of a different dynamic there, but but from a weekly on a weekly basis, um, it's still probably going to be cheaper to rent. Mm. Um, but you know, it's the whole opportunity cost. You're also not making any money on that mm. investment versus. Yeah, I'm just trying to think back when we first came here. I mean, you're going back 13 years now. We were renting and we were paying 475 a week. And then we built our own home and got a mortgage. I can't remember what the mortgage was for, about 380 or something like that, maybe. 
And it was a lot cheaper for us to, I think we put about a 30% deposit down and we, it was a lot cheaper for us to, uh, to buy. You know, when we were in our own home, our weekly payment on the mortgage was something like 230 a week or something like that. And we'd been used to paying 475 for the rents, yeah. you know, but maybe that's because we'd brought our money over from the UK. We had a big deposit, you know, so. Yeah. Well, and it depends on um, the rental market. It depends on when they purchase the house. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. If they've exactly had it right. a while, then their rents aren't going to be too bad because they can you know, it's paying their mortgage. Mm, mm, yeah. Yeah. So I, I like to kind of like, ugh. yeah, it's um, a bit of a messy one that, isn't it? It's just, but I, I think I'm trying to think about our rent. Um, when we first moved here, I want to say my wife will correct me on this, um, <laughs> but I think it was six fifty a week. Mm. And I think when we first bought this house, I now have to think because we've changed our mortgage around a little bit. Um, but I want to say it was something like 720. Like, so it wasn't much higher. Right. Um, and if you account for, you know, the equity that we've gained in this house yeah. in the last three years is yeah. insane. Um, it was definitely more valuable to us to purchase. Mm, mm. Um but yeah. He also says, um, what did what he say? He made me laugh. He said, I've heard that property hunting is like a national sport in New Zealand. How do you balance that competition with location needs? I think house looking is the sport. I don't, mm. I, I think people were always like, yeah, we'll look at different houses and see if there's anything we want, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to buy. Right. Um, so I think that's, that's one of the differences. I don't know that it's a lot of active, um, you know, it's not like people buy houses every couple of years and move and do all that kind of right. That just, I don't think that that's true, but that doesn't mean that there aren't people looking around going, Oh, that's a nice house. Maybe we'll look at buying something mm. soon. Right. Um, that's, why I, that's why I asked yeah. you about the, sorry, sorry to interrupt, but that's yeah, what, no. that's, that's why I asked you about the open home feeling like, you know, because, and it's interesting what you said, because I imagined I'm like Andrew, I, cause we haven't bought for 13 years. So I'm like Andrew, sure. I'm thinking, I'm thinking that everyone, especially in Auckland are going out on a Saturday and Sunday going, right, we're going to make sure that we get this property come hell or high water. We'll get this property, you know? And I imagine that they're going to go into this open home and everyone's like, you know, Oh, this is the one for us. And get away you, you know, this is going to be our house. And the way you described it actually is really, is really completely different, isn't it? Because you said it was quite laid yeah. back. Well, and, and, you know, there's, we are talking about, I'm sure there's areas where that is true. Yeah, but you live in Auckland. So if it's going to be true anywhere, it would be there. Yeah, but I still kind of say I barely live in Auckland, right? I still live in the outskirts of Auckland where I'm buying and selling. You're still looking at a specific clientele, mm. right? You have to be a coastie. You have to be willing to live a little further away from everything. So there's, there's, 
there's some negatives and there's some benefits to that, right? There's, there's some nice aspects in that the people looking are usually a certain type of person, mm. right? Um, and also there's a lot of people that won't live out here. So the really hyper aggressive people are not going to live out here on the end of a peninsula where it takes them, you know, 20 minutes to get off the peninsula. Mm, mm. Right. Um, you know, for me, it's not a big deal. Cause the only time I go to the CBD is, you know, to go to work, I take the ferry in. Right. Mm. So it doesn't, it doesn't phase me, but a lot of people, you know, still have this like, Oh, you live all the way out there. It's like, it's 15 minutes. Yeah. Like it's really, it's not. That's crazy, you know, isn't it? Yeah, that's it it's 15 minutes. Is, but, that's why I always say you live in Auckland because to me that is Auckland, you know, it's like. Yeah, and it is. I mean, we we are in Auckland in all ways, you know, we, we are under the Auckland Council and, mm. um, you know, most people up here work in the area or, you know, Auckland or, you know, North Auckland and those kind of things. I mean, so we are, but it's still, it's, it's a slightly different perspective on things. And, and most people aren't, you know, it's not like, you know, there are those areas that, oh, we really want to get into Browns Bay. So if you mm -hmm. want to be in Browns Bay and there's four houses there and there's 20 people trying to get those four houses, I'm sure it can get more aggressive. Mm -hmm. um, but here, I think there's, you know, there tends to be enough on the market that you, you just kind of are more relaxed about it. Mm. Um, I think you have to just understand it takes a long time to buy a house. Mm. Um, just to find the one you want. Most people I talk to will say, oh, we were looking six months. It took us a year to find something, right? Mm. I mean, it's, um, I guess it depends on how picky you are and those kind of things as to how long it's going to take or just finding the perfect property. But you just have to, you have to be in it for the long haul and you have to understand it takes a while. Yeah. 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 You know? That's a good point. And, and, and I suppose going back to what Andrew said, I mean, you know, how do you balance that competition with location needs? It's, it's like you just said, I mean, I don't know Browns Bay. I don't know that area of Auckland at all, but Oh, what was that? What would just beep to my ear? Oh, sorry. Did you hear that? No, 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 that's okay. I think, I think uh, something just went off in my ear, but I don't know the area, but maybe you could just look in a slightly, you know, different area that's, that still matches yeah. your needs, but isn't Browns Bay. You know, it's, it's, I don't know. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's the same in New Plymouth. Like everyone wants to live in a certain area of New Plymouth, but actually there's, there's tons more nice areas in New Plymouth and just that area, you know, you can just yeah. go up the coast five more minutes, property prices come down so much and yeah, you yeah. car for five minutes, who cares? You know? Yeah. I just, I suppose yeah, cause I'm, I, I, I have no doubt. I mean, like, for us, a lot of what we're looking for is proximity to the water and those kind of things. Mm. And the the more you're close to Auckland, kind of central to get those areas that are along the water are ridiculously expensive, most of them, mm. right? And so if you're willing to live a little further out, like you said, a little further north, yeah. or a little, you know, um, they're building, they're, they're, they're nearing completion on part of the motorway to take it further up north so that you can kind of 
turn a lot of those areas into more commuter areas. Mm. Um, but you can get, you can get stuff for cheaper, mm. you know, it's still expensive, but it's a lot cheaper than it would be. Um, I forget some of the areas, but there are some really expensive areas with beautiful homes. But I mean, I personally don't have two and a half million dollars yeah. to spend on a house, you know? Yeah. Well, that house I was telling you that me and Brian, that we rented when we first came to New Zealand, it was right, it was Messenger Terrace, right on the front in Okura down in, in the village. Literally, mm. you walked out onto the deck and you could almost touch the sea. I mean, it was literally right on the seafront. We, ne we never ever took the kids to the beach. You know, we just, we just, I don't know what it was. We just never did. You know, you have to come out the house, go down the little alleyway and you were on the beach. Yet when we moved here to where we are now, which is a seven minute drive up the road, we made an effort every day to drive to the beach. And we, the kids yeah. was, were brought up on the beach. You know, we went down there every single day. And it's, it's like you say, you know, the difference in price. I mean, they're going for two million down there on that waterfront. And I just mm -hmm. think, why? You know, just to be able to say, OK, I can see the sea. I mean, don't get me wrong. That's lovely to be able to see the sea, but mm -hmm. it, just go to the beach, get, you know, just walk or get in your car and just go five minutes and just drive to to the beach. You know, I just, I don't know, maybe it's just a really naive thing to say, but I just, I look at them sometimes when, I'm, even when I walk on the beach now and I look up to those houses and I can just see them sitting on their deck and everything. And I think you're not on the beach though, are you? You know, you're looking at the beach, but you're not here enjoying the beach. And you've got yeah. a $2 million debt round your neck, you know, it's just, I don't know. It's just... I always think that I think, yeah, but <sighs> yeah, it's, it's just, you know, what do people want and what are you willing to pay for it? Yeah. And, you know, I do that where I look along those beach properties and go, I'd love to own that, but mm. not for that price. No, like, exactly. I, you know, you're on, you're yeah. walking on the same beach as they're looking at uh, Ryan, aren't you? So it's just, yeah. You know, anyway, yep. so, right. Okay. Let me get on. I, we're such chatters, me and you, aren't we? I knew this was going to be a long one. I know. And I can't answer a simple, I can't answer a simple question. <laughs> I know. I, I can't give a yes or no answer to anything. Right. Let's, let's, so Randy G says, how hard is it to find properties with things that are, are, are a given in the US, but not so common in New Zealand? So for example, mm -hmm. double paned windows, central heating, Oh, we should have had Brian here for this and proper insulation. Um, yeah. So how come? Oh, and he also says, I think buying new builds since regulations changed in 2010, he thinks would solve some of those issues, but are those houses harder to come by and are they more expensive? So there's a lot of questions in there, but I, I think I can sum it up pretty quickly. Um, I got to stop rocking in my chair because it creaks a lot. Um, in my area, it's harder to find those things. I think New Zealand wide central heating and air conditioning are not a big thing. Mm -mm. Um, I can't, I think I've seen one house that I have been in, I've seen or visited with <laughs> that had central heating and air conditioning. <laughs> yes, exactly. You could you could see clearly there. Brian Brian's pointing to the radiator in case you're listening on the podcast. <laughs> yes, and and I mean because I look at my house, we've got two floors, and the top floor does not have anything. 
We don't have heating. We don't have air con. We have nothing up here. Is it freezing? No. Uh, huh? And what we do is we have those, uh, essentially what you've got on the wall, um, but we buy smaller versions. Um, so we got, we, for each one of the bedrooms, we have one of those that are about yay big, the little like radiant heaters. Mm. And we just turn those on right before bed and it just keeps the chill out. Mm. Um, but you know, it, most of the time it does not get super cold up here. Mm. So, so this, this, this house that you're going to buy now, then that you're going to buy next Thursday, as it got, it as, has nothing <laughs> in the whole house. No, has it got no heating, no insulation, nothing. Is it an old well, property? It's, yeah, it's, it's older. It's been added to over time, but I, it has single panes. Now, my house currently has double pane windows. So a lot of the new builds, to answer that question, a lot of the new builds, they have to have insulation. They, most of them will have double pane glass and all those kind of things. So those will be more of a given. They're making slightly more American style homes in some areas. And they would be more expensive because they're bigger. Mm -hmm. um, and they have a little more of those types of amenities. But um, stuff like windows and, and insulation isn't going to cost you a lot more when you buy a house mm. anymore. Um, here, they're, they're starting to, a lot of the older homes are being retrofitted. You know, either people are changing out their windows, they're putting insulation in, or when they do remodels, they put the insulation in there. Mm. Um, but yeah, this new house, we don't have, we don't, there is no, Aircon, there is no heater. They have floor heatings on the bottom. On the bottom floor, they have um, underfloor heaters. Oh, oh, that's all right. Um, that's good. Underfloor. Yeah, floor and it's got a. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's got and it's got a. Just ignore um, it's got, electric. Yeah, I can't ignore Brian. I like seeing it. Yeah, and and there is a um, there's a wood burning stove, mm. so we'll use that in the winter time. Yeah, I like it anyway. Um, I used and to have one growing up, so yeah. You've got plenty of jerseys and everything, haven't you? That you yeah, can, yeah, absolutely. Well, that's that's the Kiwi way, then, isn't it? You just put an extra yeah. jersey on. <laughs> and there are a lot of windows. You just open things up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Will, oh, and and just the thing that I always talk about for Americans: just don't expect screens on your windows. No, um, no. I was talking about this, funny enough, we're renting our house out when we go traveling and the woman came to rent it on Sunday and she just said, she's from Australia. Well, she, she's, she's a Kiwi, but she's been living in Australia for the last 30 years. And she just said, I forgot how backward New Zealand is when it comes to fly screens. Should every house in Australia has got them? Should it's just a given? Well, it's, it's because I think here, what happens is most of the windows open from the bottom up like this, mm. right? It's, it's like people are trying to block the rain, but still want the windows open. Mm. Right. So you can, you can open your windows in the rain. It just hits the top. Right. Um, but you can't put a screen in that because how do you get to the window to open? Yeah. It, right. Yeah. So we actually, we did install some screens. We have one screened window in every bedroom in this house currently. Oh. Um, just so you could, and it's just magnets. 
Yes. And it's just yeah. a, yeah, it's just a screen you we've kind of pull those. off, you open the window. Yeah. 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 Have um, they started flopping down yet though? Because ours, we've had ours like 10 years and they flop down. They're pain. They're an absolute oh, pain. They've lost just, all their just, stickiness, you know? Yeah. Just get a, just get a new magnet. You could just, mm, you know, yeah. just get the, the double-sided magnets or, you know. True. Yeah. And there's a part of me that's like, oh, I could have done that. But it's the screens and trying to cut them and fit them and do all that that I don't think I'd do yeah. very well. But um, but I could definitely repair them. But yes, so we bought a couple of those so that we could open the windows at night because it does get quite warm mm. in the summertime. But yeah. If you, if you keep your windows open, it's fine. But it's just the closed up side of things. So going back um, to his thing about... Um, Oh, what did he say? Are those houses harder to come by? Are, so are new houses harder to come by and are they more expensive? Um, for the Americans out there <laughs> and even nons, um, the government has to approve every time a new development comes up, which is why we don't have a ridiculous number of houses but also why we need more because <laughs> um, it's just making sure that the land can support and all those kind of things that, that New Zealand takes into consideration more than let's say like the U S right. Uh, somebody can buy a big chunk of property and just throw up as many houses as they want. Right. Mm. Um, there is some consent involved, but it's mostly just, is it zoned residential? Okay. We don't care what you do with it. Mm. Um Obviously, it's an oversimplification, but is it harder to come by? It probably depends on where you are. From what I hear about, like in Dunedin, there's not a huge amount of building, right? When I talk to Miley and, and stuff like that, it's like there's new housing developments, but they don't go up real fast. Mm. Auckland, you might get a little more of that, um, but you're going to be on the outside mostly mm. uh, because a lot of the interior has already been developed right so it's hit or miss depends yeah. on where you want to live i was going to say new plymouth talking from our point of view so if you're looking if say if you had a budget of between 650 and 850 in new plymouth you would get and for that you would get a new house with with um you know on yeah. might be it might be on an estate or just um you know, uh, uh, but it would be a new house because I've seen them for sale. So something exactly like this. So we're, when we bought built yeah. this in 2010 or whatever. So yeah, double glazing, I think, I th insulation. I think here the, the new houses are going to be slightly more than the equivalent um, in an older house. So if you're talking like three bedroom, two bath, you know, mm. that kind of thing, you're probably going to spend more money here. Mm. Um, but it's, it's, it, it will kind of de determine budget. Mm. It's funny because in the UK, it's, it's the complete opposite to New Zealand, because if you live in the country, it's more expensive, where in New Zealand, if you live in the country, it's cheaper. And if you buy a really old property, you're going to spend far more, much more money that, you know, whereas in New Zealand, you're going to spend more money if you've bought a new build. So it's just it's slightly yeah. opposite of things. It's funny. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's interesting to kind of to deal with that. Now, a lot of people you know, to, to talk about when it comes down to <clears throat> your down payment, a lot of people, they can afford the more expensive house 
easier because they have less money to put down, but they can support the payment. Mm. Right. So that's always an interesting thing where you're like, well, I only need 10% down on a new build. I make enough money um, to do, you know, to finance the mortgage. Mm. So it's actually easier for some people to buy new houses than it is to buy an old house. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Because if you need twenty yeah. percent down for an older house, even if it's less expensive, you might not be able to afford it because you don't have the twenty percent. Mm, mm. So it's yeah, it gets it gets pretty interesting. So the the lending is easier on a new build. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's a good point. Thank you for sense. sharing that. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> last question. Well. Actually, it's the second to last, but the last one is just such a huge topic. But the last question is Ollie's. And he said, on average, how long does the whole process normally take? So from going to see a house before you're sitting down on your couch, watching telly with your glass of wine going, oh, I love it here. Do you? I'm glad we bought this house. How long would that take? Are we talking about from the time that you found a property you want? Yes. Because that's going to be totally different. Yeah, but say um, you found the property. Then if you're saying, I've decided I'm going to buy a house, that could take a year, right? I mean, yeah. if you're depending on how picky you are. But once you find a house to so the time that you get into the house, um, you're talking a month or two? A month? Is that it? It, it depends on everybody's situation, right? The, the more chain you have, the longer those things extend. Right. Like, we knew we hadn't put our house on the market by the time that we found the house we wanted. So we knew we needed time. So our, our date is like April 21st, which at the time was almost two months away from the time that we first put in the, uh, the offer. Right. Mm. And that's considered kind of a long time. Right. Right. Because we knew we had to do that. That's really positive. No, sorry, sorry to interrupt, but it's really, it's really positive because I know Ollie is from from England and coming from England myself. I know it it can take months to buy a house. It goes on and on and on and backwards and forwards and this and that and <sighs> yeah. So to know it only takes two months, that's really positive, actually. Yeah, I mean, if if we wanted to, we could settle earlier. Like if we sell, if we if on Thursday we get a cash buyer who wants to buy the house in a couple of weeks, right? We'll move the settlement date up. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's fine. We could do that. Mm. Um, the only reason it's, it's taking as long as it is. And it, and a lot of it has to do with like in the U S it actually takes longer. Most of the time. Does it? Because <laughs> most of the time when you, when you find a house, that's when all that stuff starts. Right. You may go to the bank to get a pre-approval letter. So you have a rough idea of what you can do. But once all that's once you actually settle in and say, I want to buy a house, mm. you have to go through the whole mortgage process, which that in and of itself will usually take about 30 days. Right. Right. Yeah. So you have to go through at least all that here. Most of that's been arranged prior to or while you're looking as opposed to, right? So mm. by the time you get to sell the house, you're really just going to the bank to go, all right, you said I could borrow up to this amount. Here's the property. Just do a quick, is it worth what I think it is? And blah, 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 blah. And they do their, and that can take like two days, right? Mm. Mm. So the mortgage side of things, especially if you go with the bank you're already with, 
because right. they'll just transfer your mortgage to your, to your new one. Mm. Right. And so it just works very differently here from that perspective where they just kind of are like, Oh yeah, you already, you already borrow with us. Yeah. You could take it. Right. Mm. Tell us when you're settling. That's mm. it. That's all we care about. Um, so it, mm. it's, you know, and so the property report, it took me three days, I think, to get somebody out two or three days to get somebody out to do that. Mm. The limit, it says it could take up to like three or four days, but I got it back in 24 hours. Um, so if you think about it from that perspective, you know, all that, because you're doing all the work on the front, yeah. Right. It's, yeah. it's more work trying to figure out what you want to buy and talking to the banks and doing that kind of stuff. So once you kind of get down to it, it took, I think maybe a week to negotiate to go back and forth between us and the vendor. Um, yeah. But after that, I mean, they're not even living in the house. Mm. Right. So they don't care. We could settle as soon as we wanted to, because we're not, you know, again, it's all that, it's that chaining thing of, well, if you have to get it, if you want to be in this day, that person has to be out before that. Yeah. And you, yeah. you have to play a little bit of that game. Um, but ultimately it's, yeah, it's not, it's okay. not a long process. Two months then that's, that's going to be good news for you, Ollie, because you won't have to wait too long. Right. The yeah. last, the last question, which to be honest, thank you for asking it, Caroline, because I knew nothing about this. Did you know anything about the, uh, the um the drugs you know what's it called the crystal meth in the properties people who have used property for crystal meth did you know about this i didn't know no, much about I that didn't until know i it saw either. that yeah um i found that kind of interesting um what was what was her exact question so her, ex exactly her exact question was a friend of mine from the uk who is now a resident in new zealand has bought two properties one she got very cheap because the people in it had used some kind of drug which is crystal meth um and as a result she was legally obliged to change lots of the interior materials and she said, I think it's quite a common problem in New Zealand. Do you know anything about that? So I went and Googled it and it was like, yeah, it's usually properties that have been rented for many, many years that yeah. come up against these problems. But apparently if meth has been used in the house, it gets into the curtains, into it the does. carpet. Yeah, I didn't know about that. And you have to take, every, you have to get rid of everything because it affects your health, you know? So yeah, it costs a lot of money to do that, doesn't it? Like rip everything out. Some houses have even got to be completely demolished, you know, if it's, if it's. Yeah, that does happen. Um, I don't, common, I might, I might well, argue I'd never about heard the of word it. Yeah. common. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah I, I'd never heard of that. Neither had Brian. Yeah. And, and if you've been here 13 years and never heard anybody talk about that, then you, you got to say it's common. It's not quite the right thing. I'm sure it exists. Mm, yeah. Right. And if, if it's known and all that, you're probably going to have to do all that work, but that's just any sort of um, rental property you know, there are a lot of rules around rental properties here. So mm. if you're planning on coming over here and becoming a landlord, look that up because there's a lot going on there mm. um, because they're trying to, they're trying to discourage a lot of that here. Um, discourage what? Using, using houses. For somebody drugs. owning too many houses. No. Oh, right. Um, okay. Just, just, 
Because when you have a limited supply, what's happening is the prices are getting to the point where they're so high that the only people that can afford them are people with money. Yeah, yeah. Right. And so the people with money are buying these houses, which is inflating the costs, Mm. which is then, you know, making it so that first time home buyers or people that don't earn a whole lot of money are having a hard time getting into homes. Mm. Okay. Um, so that's, that's kind of a bit of a problem here. Um, mm. It's one of the reasons why the whole, you have to be a resident thing, because there was a lot of overseas money where people weren't sure where to invest their money. So they bought property in New Zealand mm. and then just either rented it out. Or I've, I heard a lot of people talk about properties that just laid empty mm. um, because, and they wouldn't even rent the properties out. Oh. So you already have a market where people need places to live and you're taking them away becomes a bit of a problem. Um, So they took that. That's one of the reasons why that law came into effect is it's like, if you don't live here, you can't own property. Yeah, quite, quite right though, isn't it? I think quite right. I have absolutely no problem with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, so there's, and or at least you've got to be able to rent it out. You've got to be able to give it to people, New Zealanders who yeah. live in here, like, you know? Yeah. And due to the rate. fact that, yeah, there's, there's laws around the residency side of things. You're required to be in the country a certain amount of time per mm. year, which means you live in New Zealand, mm. right? Cause even, even as a permanent resident, you don't have to spend as much time, but it's still most of the year. You know, mm. um, I can't remember what all the, I think permanent resident might be 183 days and regular something resident like that. 250 or something like mm. that. I can't remember what it is, but, um, yeah, it's basically, they just, they, they, they say, you gotta, you gotta live here. Right. Mm. Um, at least if you, if you want to move up that ladder. Mm. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think that I don't, don't think it's, you know, certainly we hadn't come across it and Brian does a lot of work in houses and he'd never come across it. So it's not, I wouldn't say, I, I don't, it's, I'm not saying it doesn't exist because it obviously does, but it's not a common thing, I wouldn't say. Would you? Yeah. And also, and I, I will, I will put a link in the website, Caroline, um, you know, if it's something that is worrying you, I'll put a link in the, in the, in the, um, on, you know, on the podcast, but I found this good uh, website and it just said, basically just check the history of the property because it is more likely to be contaminated if it's previously been used as a rental. Speak to the neighbors. They can often provide really good information about the people who have previously lived in that property. Um, And then, yeah, check to see if if anybody's been arrested. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Check, yeah. check, get get a limb report because, like you said, Ryan, they've got to report it to the council if anything's happened there. And then it said, make the sale and purchase agreement conditional upon a satisfactory meth test being obtained. And they're about a hundred. They can range between one hundred and fifty to a thousand. So at the end of the day, if you did, you know, think, oh, this house might have been used for that, then there are things that you can do to take yeah. measures to to see if that's if that's the case or not so and it's not that expensive so you know to yeah yeah if you're worried about it you can get it tested yes exactly <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah that's what it kind of boils down to right yeah so right young man that's it we've done all our questions but i've got one question to ask you before you go um why are you moving why did you move <laughs> i'm so nosy um, 
no no that's fine we're 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 fine with that it's um we we we've got three bedrooms um we want the fourth oh okay um, right it yeah, really that's, that's fair what, enough 90% of it i think is we want a fourth bedroom mm-hmm. um just a little more space that kind of thing um you know it's we're, we're at the stage where the kids are getting older um so, you know, once they hit their teen years and they're going to want their own spaces yeah. and those kind of things. So we, yeah. we were looking for that kind of thing. Um, and with the country opening back up, all the people that would have wanted to visit over the last couple of years are going to start. Right. Yes. So having yeah. a place for them to come and sleep is nice. Oh, that's lovely. Um, yeah. Yeah. And having nice. a proper office for me since I'm, I'm not going to stop working from home anytime soon. Mm. So, Yeah. Mm. So oh. the fourth bedroom will be my office and then guest room for when people come by. Well, I just, I know on Thursday, like I say, that person's going to walk in and they're going to be your ideal buyer and oh, it's all going to go so. so smoothly. It will, it will. Um, but in the meantime, and I just want to say as well, while you're here, Ryan, I love you being in our community. I love you being on that Slack group. It, you are a wealth of knowledge. And I don't know how you know all these things because like we get all different questions coming in and you can always answer them. And I'm like, Ryan knows the answer. <laughs> you just, just, so I just want to say thank you so much. Yeah, just, I, I have done a lot of weird things in my life and I've accumulated stupid data. I mean, but it's stuff that ends up being helpful. Yeah, um, so I, I consider that good. You're a really, really helpful person. And I, and it, you're just such a valuable asset to that group. You really oh, are. You. So I, I love having you on there. So just wanted to say thank you very much because oh, yeah, that. you really make it what yeah. it is. Well, you know, it's just knowing that this process is hard, right? It and, is. And, and I, you know, th- there are times where I really wish I could be open as some of our other members of the, I guess the, the emotional toll it took, took on some people. Mm. Um, I didn't experience a whole lot of that, but that was a lot because I, I was ready to get out. Right. Mm. I was, I was more focused about getting out of the U S but um, talking with my wife, she had very similar experiences to, you know, like oh, Wiley and Brian and yeah. right. Um, especially coming here and she hadn't gotten all her teaching stuff dealt with. Mm-hmm. So for the first probably almost year or so that we were here, she didn't teach, right. She was a teaching assistant or she was doing this and that. And it was just like her career stopped. Mm for about a year or so. And that, that was hard. I mean, it's hard for her. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. It's just, it's interesting to be like, she has to constantly remind me. It's like, don't forget to be honest. Don't just say nice rosy things about New Zealand. That is so true. It's so true. And that's why I love that community so much because they, the people we've, it's such a safe place that they can not just ask about questions like this, like we're talking about now, they can talk about their emotions and their fears and they are very, very, very real, aren't they? Like you just said, you know, and it isn't easy. It really isn't, you know, and if you know that, you're not the only one going through it. Like it's, it, it makes it so much easier for you just to know that someone's oh, yeah. got your back, you know, and you're like, you know, you're going to come out the other side as well. 
because that's yeah. the thing when you're going through that stuff. I mean, I remember Brian, we talked about this. I mean, I know we're going, I, I'm going to let you go now. Sorry, but you know, we talked about this uh, we, sometimes when I, I remember we'll talk about how they're feeling. And I, Brian said, you know, I, I don't, I didn't know it at the time, but I was really getting really down and depressed for that exact same reason, because he'd come yeah. from, you know, a very lucrative business in the UK to climbing in septic tanks in New Zealand, didn't know anyone, didn't have any friends, you know, our money yeah. was half of what it was in the UK and it was hard, you know? Um, and it, uh, just to have all those people like Catherine, for example, at the moment, she's a vet and she's starting at the bottom again, but to be able to know it's not forever. You're just doing it to get to where you want to be ultimately, Absolutely. isn't it? You know? And, yeah. yeah I mean, just... I, I talk a bit about that because I, you know, for us, we went from a two income family to a one. Yes. And my income was actually slightly lower here. Um, because yeah, again, my desire was to get out. So I was like, mm -hmm. eh, it's a little bit of a pay cut, but I'll deal with that. Um, again, I always think in terms of absolute dollars. So mm. even in that term, I was taking a little bit of a pay cut. Um, but I think it was less than two years where our combined income was higher than it was in the US. Because mm. um, as soon as she started working, we started, that's when we really found out that teachers make more money here than they do in the US, mm. right? And we were like, you're getting paid what, <laughs> you know, uh, to have those moments. And just, you know, when you first, now, now that I knew what the market looked like, I would go to different positions and take different amounts of money. And so, yeah, we, we found that, that, that little dip that we first did ended up being so much better for us in the long run, Yes, but you do, you, you gotta, you, you gotta work through the stuff and then you have, the kids parts of things and mm. you know mm. yeah yeah just dealing with all that and and because i know there's a there's a lot of questions going on in the group right now around like how do we talk to our kids about moving to new yes, zealand right yeah, and yeah that's a whole new podcast isn't it yeah oh yeah that's a whole nother world yes and, and, yeah and it is very it's very interesting to hear how different people handled it um but yeah i mean that's it's just it's it's hard and, and yeah. just admitting that it's hard is is important yes i think and it just you takes know. it eases it when you know that you're not the only one that's going through it you know yeah. and it it just yeah i just love it i love that community so much and i love having you in that community so i uh, appreciate that yeah, it's, it's really nice that you guys got it together i, I think it's it's been helpful for a lot of people mm. um so it's, it's, it's nice to hear how people are doing and it is. Um, their journeys and, and all those kind of things. It's, yeah. Did you meet you up, know. did you meet up with Dan and Sherry yet? Have you met up with Dan and Sherry? No. Oh, cause no. I know you were talking about getting fish and chips, weren't you? They are, yes. the, they are the loveliest couple. I, we, we interviewed them a couple of weeks ago. We haven't put it out yet. Cause it's going to be one of the private podcasts. Yeah. And honestly, you would get on like a house on fire with them. Um, oh, yeah, sure. Dan is just, he's, he's been, uh, you know, I'm sure you won't mind me saying, but he was in politics and now he, and he also did real estate and Sherry's a nurse and, um, oh, they're just gorgeous, gorgeous couple. Please look them up because you'd, you'd get on really well. You two, you and Joe would love them. Oh yeah. yeah. I'd have to, uh, I'll have to try to hit them up again yeah. and see. 
They got COVID, so they were out of action for a while, weren't they? Oh, yeah. Somehow yeah. we we have yet to get it. So yeah, yeah, us too as well. <laughs> it's like oh, yeah. No. Well, it's Joanne. I think she has tested herself a, at least five or six times so far in the last three or four weeks. Yeah. Um, because as a teacher, yeah. and she's a floating teacher essentially. You know, so she goes into all sorts of different classrooms every yeah. week and it's she gets to those times where she goes oh i was in a classroom or i'm going to teach today in a classroom where four of the kids tested positive in the last 24 hours so mm-hmm. great i'm excited about that yeah. right it's just like, <laughs> time to test <laughs> yeah still hasn't caught it no bless her heart oh right i'm gonna let you go and go and do what you're doing for the rest of the day <laughs> thank you so much ryan for talking to us and thank you for everything that you do yeah, uh, thanks, Liz. Appreciate okay. it. Speak to you soon. And here's Brian right. Wakeman. Right, <laughs> Bye, Cheers. Bye, darling. Cheers. See you. Bye. 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 Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast this week. We have loved having you here with us. If you love this week's show, please share this with your friends. Send it to anybody you know that wants to think about moving to New Zealand and get on over here yourself. And tell them how brilliant it is as well. And also, if you haven't signed up for our free five-day video guide showing you what life is like, really like, in New Zealand, then go over to the website and sign up. You are missing out. This is brilliant. Go over to www nz ahead slash free and we will send you five days worth of videos about what life is like in new zealand you are going to love it so one more time that website that you need to sign up for the free five-day guide is www.nz ahead slash free so we're going to see you next week until then have a great week and we'll speak to you soon. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Say bye again. Bye. Bye. <laughs>